0: Hello, my lovely listeners, and welcome to this week's Catamania episode. I think one of the most common questions that I get from y'all anywhere I have socials, but mainly obviously on Instagram because that's my main platform, is how did I learn to speak English and how did I get rid of my Russian accent, so to speak, or how did I learn to speak English with an American Canadian accent? And I have recorded a whole episode about it and my personal experience and how that worked for me, but I found somebody who I think you will really love and somebody who is a professional in the area of languages, he's a linguist. His name is Luke McCarthy and I'm quite certain that many of you, especially my Russian speaking audience, would have seen his videos and are likely following him. And if you're not, you definitely need to give him a follow. Luke speaks Russian fluently, which for those of you who went to Russian Soviet schools, we were all told that learning Russian is like the hardest thing ever. And don't get me wrong, it is, and Luke confirmed that. But I don't know, I think it's fascinating. He lived in Russia for about three years, and he's li- he's a linguist. So he speaks uh, six languages, and he helps people learn languages through certain techniques and ways of teaching languages that are effective and that actually work. I have known people, and this is something that him and I chatted about in this episode, who have been learning a language their whole life and they still can't speak it, which is interesting. I think with Luke's techniques and the knowledge that he has, he can definitely help people learn languages much quicker. Uh, We chatted also about certain cultural differences, and of course, we touched on the subject of dating. Luke is an American who lived in Russia, who was also married to a Russian, so I think you all will find this episode um, really, really cool and fascinating and fun. And, as per usual, if you like this episode and you like this podcast, feel free to give it five stars. Actually, don't feel free, just please give it five stars, thumbs up, or whatever the like button is on the platform that you're listening to this on. Enjoy. And stay blessed. Welcome to Catamania Luke.
1: Christina, thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
0: The Bropajalovits. Although I feel like the Bropajalovits we say when you're actually like physically present, which I wish we could do this in person, but maybe, maybe one day. I do
1: too. I do too. But you know, say you show it, never mind. Spacebo shoya. uh
0: Nice to connect with you. Where are you located?
1: Well, I mean, I am originally from America, from New Hampshire, from Boston, but right now I live in Barcelona. So sort of in between Boston and and Eastern Europe, Slavic world, just by, by coincidence, right in the middle. But yes, Barcelona. So it's nighttime like... and it's daytime or morning for you, I believe.
0: Yes, I'm in Vancouver mm-hmm. and I think we're nine hours apart.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. I was just in Eastern Europe for a couple of months. I came back mm-hmm. mid-October. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, it's nice. So how did you, why Barcelona then? If you're kind of, was that just like a middle point that you picked between the Slavic world and America?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I mean, it, it was... Right, right. Just find it right in the middle. No, I came here actually as a linguist um, for the University of Barcelona. So uh, they have a very interesting linguistics team here. And that's what brought me here. Uh, But then I stayed because I have two children. And it's so great for kids here. And it's just a very lovely life. So I decided I came for, for work, but just decided to stay for myself.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. How? Because I, yeah. I know a lot of, I have a lot of young, like, I guess, families um, in my audience. What's good about Barcelona when it comes to children?
1: You know, Barcelona has a lot of great things going for it. There's some things that are, you know, could be better, could be improved. Um, but one of my favorite things here is that when you have children outside, out and about, it feels like everybody is sort of, you know, it's there's none of this like children should be seen, but not heard, like sort of pushing them away. It really feels inclusive. It feels like everybody's just, uh, you know, communicative, talking with each other, smiling, uh, communicating with children. So it really feels like a, it takes a village sort of mentality, you know, Um and I like this a lot. I, I remember when I remember when I think my first this was like 2016. My daughter was maybe a year and a half two two years old, maybe. And uh, I was out just the two of us. And um, it was maybe like 9 p.m., 8 p.m. And it was getting dark, getting late. And this friend of mine who I had just it was a friend of a friend. I just met him. And he was uh, it was at this poetry reading sort of uh, event. And it was very beautiful. We we're listening to all this poetry in Catalan and Spanish and English. Uh, and then he says, you know, we're going out after this. Let's go. Uh, I think there's a stand-up comedy show or something. And I said, well, I mean, I have my daughter. It's, you know, I, I don't know. And he goes, no, it's fine. Come, come, come. It's fine. And so we go there. We get to this bar, this small venue, there 's stand up comedy happening somewhere in the corner or somewhere you know, and it 's quite small and cozy and We sit down and it 's like every person in our little quadrant of the bar just became an aunt or an uncle, and like genuinely playing with my daughter playing with Yeva, having a fun time with her, it felt like uh, uh it felt like a little family, and so this is a really common thing this really this happens here quite often. And I don't know about Vancouver, but in Boston, if you bring a child to a bar at 10 p.m., people look at you a little funny. No, no, no. That's <laughs> not a thing. Oh,
0: God, no. Like, that's not a thing at all. And it's kind yeah. of interesting because, I mean, I don't have children yet, but you definitely right. notice a huge difference. Like, my my brother has a son, and he right. goes everywhere with them. Like. The, yeah. the the restaurants the bars the parties right and that's just like a thing in our culture it's like your kids just come with you and then oh, you entertain yeah. the adults entertain them you know other kids entertain them but here you're and i never thought about that probably cuz i don't have kids mm. that you don't really see that as much you have to kind of separate right. your life from your kids life that's very interesting i'm going to have to consider spain for for living <laughs> <Please> still, <laughs> please have kids
1: yeah, yeah for sure So you have two kids, you have
0: a daughter and a son.
1: Mm -hmm. I was asking where, where does your brother live that he's going out with his children?
0: He lives. So he is based in Moldova or he lived in Moldova Moldova. up until just a few months ago. Now he is in Cyprus for work temporarily. They moved him there. So in Cyprus it's a little bit different and they had just moved there. So, you know, they're kind of settling in, but in Moldova, it's, I mean, it's just everywhere you go your children are
1: with you children everywhere that's right so you asked me about my kids I have a um I have an eight-year-old Yeva I have a four-year-old Ilya now maybe someone listening is thinking wait these are Russian names and this is an American guy what's happening here (laughs) um my uh, the mother of my two children my ex-wife her she's from Murmansk uh from Murmansk Ooh. Yes, which I've been to Mormonsk You know, I, if anyone also wondering, I lived for three years in St. Petersburg. I've been all around Eastern Europe. Um, so I have this sort of history, although it's not uh, in my heritage or in my ancestry at all. Um, but one of the places I, I did see was Mormonsk And if no one knows where this is, it's the farthest it's the far, most farthest northern city in the world. If you look at cities of, you know, large populations, like more than, you know, 20,000 people, it's it's you go to St. Petersburg, which is already very far north. You get a train for 27 hours straight north if deep into the ar- Arctic Circle, sort of like imagine going to the very tippity top of Alaska. This is where it is. So um yeah it's the middle of nowhere uh, it's
0: the definition of the middle of nowhere
1: (laughs) you know in russian you could say like (laughs) something like this
0: yes i can think of other words that are probably not the most appropriate for this episode i would have to put in like that this is explicit content (laughs) if i think of those words it's got really harsh climate too like i've never been to moments but it's yeah
1: yeah, but you know the people from Mordovia who I meet, who uh, you know, who I, I didn't spend much time in Mordovia. So the people from Mordovia I meet are I met in Saint Petersburg or here in Barcelona, and they're very, very beautiful people. So you know, I think yeah. it takes a lot of inner sunlight. You know, you have to carry the sun with you when the sun doesn't shine for a whole month and a half during the winter. You know, as this, as the sun does circles underneath the horizon. For a month and a half, you know. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Mm-hmm.
0: I want to go back to your career and how you how you made a choice of this specific career path, because it's so interesting. But before I do, I, I I gotta ask you. So how long did you live in Russia and how did you like your time there? Uh
1: as an American. I, you, yes, as an American. If you count up the days I spent in Russia, it'd be like around three years, maybe. Um so not like a you know not not decades not not that long but you know some some time um and uh but my the story would begin i would say when i was 15 and uh, growing up in the the east coast in a college campus north of boston i had this sort of wacky wild uh, teacher who somehow Uh, organized with some other wacky, crazy teacher in Vliki Novgorod, uh, an exchange program. And so I'm like 15 years old. I don't know anything about Russian, you know, I don't even, I can't say hello. I have no, the letters are like, you know, from Mars or something. And I go there and it was a very, just a, you know, an eye opening experience. I thought, you know, my whole life I've been living like this and if life like that is possible. You know, imagine all the other ways people can live. So it really just kind of cracked the shell and opened me up to being interested in things like cultures and languages and different peoples and uh, geography and and how we're all one humanity, but yet we're all so different. And and then so I returned again, uh, studying abroad in university, And I think that's when I started really getting some Russian under my belt. Uh, Like I I remember for a while I had this uh, idea, this when I understood that the only way I was going to learn Russian was by really going deep into it. I had my, Uh, my yes rule where if a Russian person wanted to do something with me as long as it's safe for my physical health I'll say yes (laughs) so to the detriment of all my exams and tests that I had to take so do you want to go drinking with us tonight and it's like a Tuesday well okay let's do it so (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, I think you I just know
0: how you would determine the physical, the, the physical harm, <laughs> I guess. Like, so the, drinking wasn't the physical harm. Drinking would be okay.
1: <laughs> well, you know, to what extent, right? Maybe someone right. watching this knows the word zapoy. You know zapoy? Uh, zapoy. This well, is a, of course. Of <laughs> course. If anyone listening, this is a great, great uh, Russian word. I think this is a word that just uh, all non-Russian speaking people love can you explain zapoy how you feel your interpretation of of this word
0: i guess isn't there uh english equivalent isn't there like a a, is a banter or bander Bander? yeah
1: to go on a bender but for me to go on a bender is like what three days you know a long weekend zapoy is like two weeks or three weeks it's like (laughs) it's like you've it's like you've pickled yourself in vodka or I mean, something. It depends heart- on what
0: kind of Zapoy as well.
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess for you some people- really know. For me <laughs> I mean, you know, zapoy Z- 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 could be a lifestyle, I suppose. It's just, you know, you're like pickled in vodka for, you know, decades. And so the the lore yeah. the lore is that you've you've drank so much for so long that you start to hallucinate. And what do you hallucinate? talking squirrels that's the that's the i don't know why but that's what you hallucinate talking squirrels yeah so yeah uh anyway so zapoy would be physically dangerous that's where i would i I would this would be the
0: levels you 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 kind of managed to maintain yeah got it okay
1: you know yeah maybe maybe this is to my loss because i've never met a talking squirrel and maybe this is you know maybe i'm missing out on something maybe it's a great experience i don't know yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but Zapoy Z- is, I think Zapoy is for sure something that is um, probably well known to like alcoholics, right? Like you have yeah. to really, so yeah, as long, I think as long as you didn't go to like the two, the, the two week mark, I guess.
1: Um, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was, you know, I was still, uh, I was, how old was I? 20 this time? I was a responsible 20 year old, you know, but those are the boys. But anyway, so then I then uh, after I did the study abroad thing, I I think years later, I was like um, I was, you know, I was living in Australia and I was working for this environmental charity. And one evening I was uh, with my girlfriend at the time and looking out at this, you know, the beautiful ocean and saw dolphins swimming. And it was just like incredible. And then the sunset and the moonlight, and it was so beautiful. And then for some reason. And I'll never really understand why. Like, I decide I decide to fly away and go and move to St. Petersburg. So, like, the next weekend, you know, it's the opposite season. So, the next weekend, it, I'm trucking through, uh, you know, Trotsky Most or whatever in St. Petersburg. Like, the snow, the blizzard falling into my face. I could barely move forward. I'm walking to, uh, uh, you know, the school where I'm going to be teaching English um so i don't know something about it hooked me it was interesting to me um and it brought me back so i moved back and i was uh, working there as an english teacher for yeah about three years uh, until i left and that's where i met my my now ex-wife but you know partner for years and years and years and uh yeah that's the story
0: That's fascinating. And I think every person from the Western world, you know, specifically from Canada and United States who I've met, who had gone to Russia, they all say the same thing. And I'm curious Mm -hmm. if you've had a similar experience. They said, you know, what we see in movies about Russia, about this like weird, dark cloud of a place. (laughs) We like, they just have these very strange understandings of what Russia and quite frankly, all of Eastern Europe is. And then they all yeah. say like, when we go or the ones that have gone, they all say like, wow, it was, it was so good. Like, I didn't expect for it to yeah. be that nice. Yeah. I didn't expect for... <laughs> the funniest is always like when I hear somebody from the United States or Canada say like, wow, people were so nice. I was shocked. <laughs> and I was like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> we just, you, you know, we don't the give back. our smiles away that easily. We don't yeah. say sorry, but like, we're nice you know <laughs> so,
1: yeah, yeah 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 i would you know i i would say uh i would say i, I went on a I, i've been on a uh i've been on a, a large arc with this one all right so when i when i first moved there like a horseshoe so i i suppose right when i first moved there i i was or when i first went there i was shocked i remember this this 15 i was 15 years old on this experimental exchange program uh, I I'm living with a, I mean, these actually were people from uh, my host family were from um, uh, from Armenia, but, you know, they were living in, in Vliki Novgorod for years and years and years. And, and I was with this whole Russian community. Um, and they were so kind, so generous, right. With, with what they had. And this was, you know, this was still, I think, um, you know, This part of the world has changed quite a bit in the last 15 years, 20 years, right? So if you think back to the late 90s, or the, I mean, this was in the early, early 2000s. But I was, uh, you know, things were maybe more rougher around the edges there, as, you know, compared to now. But, you know, despite the roughness, uh, so generous with what people had, so caring, so kind. And, you know, there was this, this sort of a harsh exterior that had to be protective, that had to be defensive, you know. But then as soon as you get into the home, as soon as you get into that kitchen, it's now now, now here you are, right? Now here you are yes. fully. And it's really beautiful. And so I was totally taken away by it when I first got there. And it, and it blew me away. I would say then after some time, after living there for like two or three years, there was a moment where I was you know, you mentioned smiling, right? And there was a moment when I was, you know, now I'm already, I don't know, I'm in my 20s. At some point, I'm I'm walking through uh, the city. It's cold. I'm with my big coat. And I see this woman, uh, I see this woman walking down the street towards me as we're passing. And she's not looking at me. She's just, you know, looking, she's in her own world, but she's beaming with this smile. Like she just, like I don't know what it was she was thinking about, or if something had just happened to her, but she was like beaming with this smile, right? And it touched me, and it felt so infectious, and I like, oh, and it just made my day. And I got home, and I was so positive, and I was so happy. And then I realized that as an American, like, why is this making me so happy? As an American, I was kind of going through this like smile withdrawal, where I. Did not see enough smiles on the street and i needed it you know i was like ah and so this one smile was like i don't know right to the bloodstream just blue you know i just needed this uh you know it's like you haven't a chocolate in three years and you have your first <laughs> bite of chocolate or something right You just oh my god uh, so this was you know but then it's it's kind of loop back around we're now living here in barcelona uh there's a, a lot of especially recently with you know with everything that's happening in the world right now mm-hmm. there's a lot of ukrainians a lot of russians a lot of slavic people a lot of eastern europeans a lot of russian speaking people here in barcelona and there's and um you know i was just at a birthday two nights ago uh, a, a russian guy russian friend of mine turning 39 and it was like full of just the kindest people like a family you know like a family so yeah. this yeah, is absolutely
0: beautiful. Yeah. I yeah. love that. The smile withdrawals. It's funny because when I go back home for the first maybe few days, I smile and mm-hmm. I feel like an idiot because I smile at people and they're confused as to why I'm smiling yeah. at them, you know? Yeah, yeah that's And right. then after a few days, I kind of get back into it. And I'm like, okay, people don't just <laughs> give away their smiles that easily here. So I don't, I don't smile that much. But I yeah. find like, if you start a conversation with somebody and it takes off it can take off within first of all like a few seconds and you can go really deep into the conversation so like you can start talking about some really like big life things whereas i find in Mm. canada people are very polite but they're a little bit more reserved so it's harder Mm. to have like a deep meaningful conversation right away it takes time for people to warm up to you so it's almost like the opposite the opposite thing you know
1: Yeah, yeah that's right that's right you know i yeah that's 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 right that's very right i think as as uh north americans canadians americans like i i remember i was working at the olympics in sochi uh as a translator in 2014 and there was this uh, i i had lived in chicago for a while in my life and and i uh and i was working there i was translating and this reporter was he needed some help and and we were Talking and then he he mentioned he was from Chicago and I said oh no kidding and we started talking about Chicago and we had like a five minute conversation very animated and and uh, and then I turn around after we said goodbye and all of my Russian or you know Slavic colleagues were staring at me like you knew him like you knew him so no I didn't know him we were just both from Chicago and they were really taken aback by our ability just to strike up a conversation but in comparison. Everything we talked about, even though we were really friendly and we were kind of bouncing off a lot of positivity, and it was really fun, you know, we were talking about very surface level things, right? We were talking about you know our favorite little spots in Chicago. Is this place still open? Oh, that place. We weren't going deep into the soul, right? And so it's there is a sense of ease with uh, communication I find in America or in Canada, but going deep so quickly doesn't happen so frequently. And I feel like with with uh, with Russian speaking people, uh, that can happen given the right uh, atmosphere, given the right circumstances. I'll say, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. Given the right amount yeah. of alcohol, too, a lot of times. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Look, I'm curious to hear if you're if you're comfortable talking about this, but you as an American living in in Russia. And, you know, you met your ex-wife there. How did you find, because, you know, a lot of my content is about the different stereotypes Mm. and the different approaches Mm -hmm. when it comes to dating. Mm -hmm. What, Mm -hmm. like, what's your take on all of that? How did you, how did you find it? You know, was it too different for you? Or was it kind of, were you raised in a similar way? I'm curious to know.
1: Uh, I would say that uh, there were, I mean, you know, this is this was over the course of years, right? So there were different phases, or you know, parts of the story. But I remember when I was young and just, you know, I was going on some first dates with Russian women in St. Petersburg. Uh, I I remember the first time. Okay, this is the first time. And this is like I'm, you know, I don't even remember how. Maybe I'm twenty, maybe I'm nineteen, or something. And uh, and I I went out with this really cute girl, and she was she was beautiful and um and we went for a cup of coffee now in my mind i did not know it was a date i just thought we're going out i thought you know just it was a nice conversation we we were conversing it was fun i think she was a friend of a friend i like it was just in passing i don't even remember how it happened all i remember in my head is i'm in this this cafe with her and we're and we and you know we get these coffees and you know we're flirting we're having fun time whatever and then the bill comes and she gets up uh, and goes to the toilet. And I realize in this moment, <laughs> oh, I'm supposed to pay for this. <laughs> now, I will say, I will say, as an adult man, if I go on a first, I mean here in Barcelona, if I'm going on a date, like I'm, I'm paying, I'm you know, I'm covering the bill. It's, it's not like I'm, you know, maybe some people's, you know, on a first date, split it down the middle, or you know, if if a woman wants to split it and she's very adamant about it, I'll say, well, how would I get this one and then you get the next one or whatever. But you know, as I, I think, when you're younger and you're still a student, it's the it's a little more blurry. It's not so clear. Uh, especially if it wasn't, you know, I didn't ask her, Hey, would you like to go out something romantic? And it really just, I was, I, I was really in shock. I remember, you know, I was a kid, uh, but it was a lesson. It was a lesson. If you go out with a, with a pretty girl and you go get coffee, you, you'll have to pay. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> you no, know, even if it's she not did, a date,
1: it's not a date. Right. I mean, you know, she did, she got, I mean, there's a lot of unpaid labor in looking that pretty. Let's be honest. Right. How much yes. work did I do? Right. So, yes. you know, yes. I, 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 uh, yeah, I, I see some equality here, but, but anyway, uh, then going on, I would say, you know, there were many moments and I'd be curious, cause I know you're married, right. You're married to a Canadian guy. Is that, is that right? Ser- uh,
0: Ser- Serbian Canadian. Yeah.
1: Okay. Serbian, Canadian, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Canadian, Okay. Okay. And wait, how, how old were you? Uh, how old were you when you when you left uh, the Slavic world when you moved to Canada?
0: I was two months away from turning seventeen.
1: Okay. Wow. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Okay. So th- I'd be really curious. So, so this is wow. You know, linguistically, by the way, uh, I mean, if you know, I, I am I am a linguist. Uh, linguistically, this is a very interesting age to leave uh, to to make this move because it means that you're going to basically be a native english speaker but there are some very small phonetic things that your like your brain just like was just didn't like uh you know new like wasn't uh wasn't on time or in time in, in in getting i think i'm speaking russian in my head right now <laughs> but uh you know it was like <laughs> just, was just a little bit older. yeah yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, which is uh, Yeah, we're definitely
0: going to get into uh, after the the hottest topic that everyone wants to know about, which is dating. We'll definitely get into linguistics cuz this is yeah, it's fascinating to me and I'd be curious yeah. to hear your take on on all of that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So okay, about dating. So I'm I I asked though because maybe this is also a situation between the two of you. Um what I realized with my with my my ex-wife now and we've been separated yeah. for two years but i mean you know we, we split the kids 50 50 we're still in each other's lives um it was there were these little things that for me they felt um they always felt very um performative like 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 large gestures which for me did not feel so like important i think um, for me be? what was important for example, with, 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 and she even maybe subconsciously valued them much more than I did.
0: Right.
1: Such things as, for example, a large bouquet of flowers. Right. I don't know mm-hmm. how. I don't know what how many large bouquets of flowers the average American man gets their partner every year, but it definitely is less than how many they're expecting. <laughs> in, in, right? So,
0: yes. So you know. <laughs>
1: Right. So, uh, so the, you know, something like this, or for example, um, I don't know, maybe, um, I think, I think it was much more common to do large sort of large surprise parties or large, very, you know, like, you know, in the Slavic world, maybe you have a party and you hire someone to do entertainment or something like this. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, um, I don't know, things like this, uh, uh, something that uh, is like, oh, oh, oh my God. For example, the Vos Moya Marta, right? So the 8th of March, the it, Woman's Day. You know, yes. in my silly American brain, I think, well, there's Mother's Day, there's Valentine's <laughs> Day, there's her birthday, there's Christmas, there's, you know, there's all these beautiful days when I when I try to get her something. Uh, and then I I never think of, of International Woman's Day as a day of you know romantic celebration. And so right. every year I was like kicking myself like, okay, next year, Luke, you have to do something better. <laughs> you know? Yeah,
0: it's huge. Yeah. Marte, it's huge The eight of March. If and here you, yeah. it's not even like nobody nobody even says anything. Like it's it's not really a thing.
1: No, and, and if yeah. it is a thing, it's more of like a political like celebration of feminism or something. It's not exactly. even a,
0: It's not like,
1: uh, so, oh my God, I was, you know, I would, and if I was in, when I was living in Russia, I, I would get into the mood, into the celebration, but you know, here in Barcelona or in Boston or something, it's, um, yeah. So there's these kind of things. I would say that, uh, I would say that, um, there's also you know, sharing a relationship where there's two different cultures and two different languages is in itself a whole adventure, right? Yeah. Because it doesn't matter if, you know, you, you know, even if it's not a an American guy and a Russian woman, but if it's a, uh, you know, an, um, a woman from, I don't know, from, you know, Jordan and a guy from, you know, wherever... South mm-hmm. Africa is gonna be a whole experience, right? And when you have these different languages and you have different cultural things. And I think uh and I would be curious about your experience with your partner, but it does just simply require it means that you have to put in those those hours, those 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 hours of conversation, of communication, of talking about these things. Uh it's and, and also when you're communicating, when one of the um when one of the you know when this the man the woman it's not their first language it also requires a little bit of like an extra step of of mindfulness or of or of uh intention of like you know when you're when you when in a in a monocultural monolingual couple there's a lot of just assumptions that go without said that are just the basis like you know you're going to you watch the same shows when you were growing up, you know, the same cultural references, you know, the same music, you know, that like you just, you have the same jokes. If you make some weird wordplay, you know, if you say cool beans, you know, that that's some things that's silly, something people said that's silly from the nineties. Right. And like, when you don't have this, you really have to uh, reorganize. Well, what, how do we really connect? How do we really communicate and what do we bond over? And I think this kind of comes to the foreground and it's really beautiful in a way. You know, it, it's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely. It's I always say, you know, I, I speak English fairly well. But I, I'd, I'd so my first... so. yeah, absolutely. thank you. My first yeah. language is Russian and my second language used to be Romanian because in Moldova, mm-hmm. after the collapse of USSR, the official language yeah. became Romanian. And then there's what? recognized languages, Russian, Ukrainian and and language which is basically kind of like similar to Turkish um yeah. but I learned to speak Romanian when I was living there and then when I found out that I was moving to Canada I learned English I took like a really intense course I learned English and I started to forget Romanian a little bit when I go back I practice it because with my family we speak Russian um, yeah. with my friends there I speak Russian mainly But here I only speak English because we speak English from my husband. But I always say, like, I speak English fairly well. And I've been speaking it every day for the last, you know, 11 years, ever since I moved here. But I cannot. There's a certain like level of comfort that you have with your first language, with your mother tongue, where you can like twist a word and everybody will understand what it is, even though that word does not exist. Yeah, I can't do yeah. that in English, but I can very yeah. easily do that in Russian all day long, you know? So it's, exactly. yeah, it's kind of what you said about, yeah. you know, certain certain things that you just, certain words that you find and, and expressions and yeah, definitely a huge, huge part That's of
1: it. Exactly right. You know, uh, if when you have children one day, um, it becomes very evident when you talk to your baby, right? Because when you talk to your baby, all sort of like... Uh, it's just part of you and you're just communicating in such a, an intimate and sort of just the soul to soul, as you would say, right? And so all of a sudden, uh, all like the, you know, you just speak in your mother tongue. It's, your, it's you know, you're a mother and you're speaking in your mother tongue, passing it on. And we begin to kind of feel this different, I actually wrote a post about this on Instagram the other day about how when we hear the words, I love you, it feels differently in different languages, right? And if you're, if you grew up hearing from your mom and your dad and your family and all these, and then as an adult, you're hearing, I love you from your partner, you know, it takes some time for that to, you know, to those neural connections in your mind to reorganize themselves in a way. So you start feeling it like how you would feel it if it was, you know, um, and, and this takes time. It's, it's like your brain is actually changing. It's the, it's, it's reorganizing itself. Uh, no. Absolutely. So it, this will always be there, you know?
0: Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, just yeah. final thing I want to touch on before we move to linguistic side of things strictly. I know mm-hmm. we've been kind of talking a little bit about I, it here and there, I love it so much. But re- uh, yeah, but- yeah. Regarding the whole dating thing. Um, mm. You know, I, I wrote a whole, my husband and I wrote a whole ebook about Eastern European dating and The expectations that women specifically have Um, Mm -hmm. and it's funny because like my husband was he was born in when yugoslavia was still a country and then Mm. right before it fell apart and the war started they moved his family moved to canada Mm -hmm. so i always laugh about it i'm like you're slavic you're you're a slavic man at heart and you know all of these things but you've been canadianized (laughs) so much that there are certain things that he forgets like The door opening, for example.
1: Ah, okay, yeah. You know, like,
0: I I, I got into the car yesterday and we had our cat with us and I was carrying his, uh, I was carrying him in the carrier and I wanted to put him on my lap in the front seat. Mm -hmm. And I came into the car and I looked at my husband and I was like, wait, did I just have to open the door and put the carrier on myself? And he's like, oh my God. He's like, listen, I'm still learning, you know. (laughs) But it's these little things that I think a lot of times I, get a lot of hate from men about like specifically Western men who just, they're not They're in their mind. They've been so conditioned to, I guess, act a certain way when it comes to like women. And, and it's almost, I feel like in the Western world, it's almost considered disrespectful at times because of the women, like we, you know, well, not me, but the women here did it sort of to themselves. Right. I always say like chivalry is not chivalry is a beautiful thing, but men are almost like afraid to be chivalrous because they're afraid that it'll be perceived disrespectful in some way, which, I mean, I don't, I think it's, it's just a silly yeah, thing.
1: It's it's a tricky, it's a tricky one. You know, I, I feel like, um, I, I feel like there is, you, you know, okay, I'll, this is a, this is a interesting example here. I, I'll to illustrate this point. You know, Vosmoya Marta, so the the woman's day in Russia, I would observe from all different types of people, the way that they would celebrate women on, you know, Vos Moya Marta, right? Because people are giving big toasts. They're writing, you know, like on social media, they're writing all these things, you know, people are, you know, you go to, to dinners with somebody or lunch and, you know, they're toasting, you know, it's, it's, everyone's talking about it. Right. Yeah. And you know, there's no way to say cheers in Russia. You have to say za and then something very, 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 very long, right? You have to invent yes. your cheers every time. So there's no, there's no easy way out. You have, you, you, okay, then you could say za lyubov, za but then za but then you have to, eventually you're going to have to think of a long speech, right? So totally. Uh, I would observe how different types of men Uh, from that part of the world would talk about women on Vos Marta. And I really started to see after some time, two different ways of doing this. And I feel like, and I feel like they were very distinct. And I feel like if we look at kind of look at chivalry, we can also see this distinction, right? Are you, are we celebrating women as like, as a sort of like, Oh, you know, they uh, they can't do anything for themselves. They're not as smart. But you know what? The world wouldn't be the same without them. And hey, we all have a mother and we all love our mother. So this is, you know, the gentian, you know, for their beauty, for their this and for their that. And it's somehow uh, I, I found it like little nodes of degradation in there, like it, celebrating right. them, but not as uh, not as something, you know, I don't know, something like how you would... <laughs> I don't yeah. know you know celebrate your you know your cat's or dog's birthday like you know and then there was something there was something else where people were truly honoring the the uniqueness of of womanhood and and the the beauty that that brings to life and as a as a as something somehow uh like uniquely um like different from the 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 male experience and also uh so different uh, yet equal yet uh yet celebrated yet yet uh you know precious, and so this was like a celebration out of love, like out of real respect, right yeah. and I would see people really celebrating Vasma Marta from these two different perspectives, you know, and I think when you look at it like in, in chivalry in Canada or in the United States, and you know things like opening the door for a woman or paying on a date or You know, I think you can look at behind the act. What is the, what is the heart doing? What is the motivation? What is the, where's the the soul at behind that? Am I holding the, am I paying for this date because I'm expecting something from you afterwards and you're going to have to do your act for me? Or am I doing this because I genuinely want to, and I want to celebrate uh, and, you know, and, and, uh, um, you know, do this as an act of service or an act of love as an act of uh, appreciation for this amazing evening. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So
1: looking at the, at where it comes from, I will say that my life in, in the Soviet world, ex Soviet world really did inform how I, how I act as a man around women, because I would say Mm -hmm. when I was younger, I did not realize these things. I didn't notice these things. I, when I was walking around as a young guy in America, I didn't notice that, like, okay, I could hold the door, but it's not necessary. Okay, I could give the woman my seat, the you know, the, the older, not old, but older woman, my seats on the train, but I don't have to. Um, you know, I could, uh, I see a woman carrying up a suitcase. It's not huge, but, you know, it's still a suitcase. Could I, do I help her? Do I ask her if she needs help? Would you just walk by? It was never on my radar. And so I think right. of how many times I didn't do something. Right. Right. Living in this, in, in the Slavic world, it put it on my radar completely. <laughs> right. Cause you know, yeah. cause if I didn't do those things, I was the, I was the terrible, uh, I was the, uh, I was the, um, you know, there's a lot of words you could call the man who doesn't do a these hundred, things.
0: Yeah. I, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. And it's so funny because like, uh, I always say that I think I even made a skit about it recently when I arrive to Canada, like at the airport, hmm nobody helps me with my suitcases like you know when you wait for your baggage at the baggage lane nobody helps me with my suitcases the second i'm eyeing the suitcases my suitcases on baggage lane like in moldova or anywhere in eastern europe there'll be like always a random guy standing next to me who sees me eyeing it and he won't even ask like is is this yours yes don't worry about it like it it happens every time i land there I rarely ever have to lift anything. Um, The Mm -hmm. other thing also that I notice is a huge difference here. Like if there's a bottle of wine at the table and there's at least one guy, the guy has to refill it and pour for everyone. Um, There's women like it can not be, you you can't as a woman touch the bottle and pour it for everybody. There's a guy sitting at the table, right? (laughs) Right, Like those little things that I feel like they're, they're, they don't even really exist here as much, you know, like it's not, it's not a thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. 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 Yeah, i mean sure i would say it even spills into like uh like you know the culture of like you know like when you go as a guest somewhere to someone's home there's a whole world of beautiful etiquette that i think makes the whole experience yeah. so much richer and and better for everybody like you know uh you know if you're going over someone's house like yeah i'm gonna like you know you know grab some yeah. some bring something that is going to make this experience uh special for us like a gift basically i come i I would not imagine going over someone's house without bringing uh, a gift or something special or something you know at least uh, some cookies or some tea or a bottle of wine depending on you know when it is and what we're doing uh yeah and these things i think are often especially for younger men just not on the radar in the in north america yeah
0: Yeah. yeah women have messed it up for themselves here <laughs> That's kind of it. I've always um said, well, not always, but when I kind of started learning more about the subject, there's obviously issues in Eastern Europe still regarding many things, including mm-hmm. very often gender roles. But for the most part, I have kind of made up a conclusion
1: for mm-hmm. myself
0: personally, my personal opinion that in mm-hmm. Eastern Europe, when it comes to men and women, mm-hmm. Slavic nations have generally, or Eastern European nations have. Figured out equality of opportunity mm. without destroying gender roles, whereas mm. in the Western world there's equality of opportunity for sure, but we have mm. totally melted together and blended and 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 everything got a little bit confused here, and it went a little too much um mm-hmm. to the other side, I feel like
1: yeah. I, I think it's, you know, like many things in life, it's something that's oscillating back and forth. And I think as right. as a whole world we're moving in the right direction, you know, in different ways, in different places. Um But I I think what if I was listening to this conversation right now and I'm a man, uh what I would take away is that um being aware of my actions being really aware of what i'm doing and what i'm not doing and then asking myself why am i doing that or not doing that where does that what is the impetus of that act or or that non-act right because i think if we're all aware of this we're all going to make the right decisions for ourselves we're going to hold that door open because out of respect and we're not going to uh you know but we're not going to fall trap to any sort of weird uh biases that i think are um you know if we don't have that conversation for ourselves, we're letting society have that conversation for us, and no matter yeah. what society you're in, there are parts of that conversation that are not healthy, right yeah and so I think it's yeah it's important to ask oneself these questions, especially if you're a man because you know we need to do it,
0: yeah, for sure mm-hmm. Let's move on to languages. And the question that I want to start with um, is how much, in your opinion, does experiencing a culture mm-hmm. involve speaking its language, if that makes sense? Like, do you mm-hmm. think that you have a better cultural experience and more deeper cultural experience if you speak the language of that culture, of that nation?
1: You know, experiencing a culture with or without the language it's like reading a book or reading the wiki page of the book. It's like, it's like night and day. It's not even the same thing. I mean, <clears throat> uh, you know, I, you can love a culture and you could go back to a certain place time and time again to visit as a, as a tourist. And that's amazing. And that's a great experience, but to know a culture to, to really know a culture. I mean, this is, it, it means to know the language. And, you know, it doesn't mean you need to be the top level, like, oh, I'll never learn Russian fully, so why do I try? It's not about that. But it's about how, you know, my favorite part about learning these, you know, languages, whether, I, 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 sp- I speak more or less six languages. Um, I speak English, Russian, Spanish, uh, Portuguese, Catalan, I understand everything. I speak kind of like a dog though, <laughs> it sounds so great. Uh, Japanese I studied Japanese for years it's been two years without practice so it's very rusty Um, but like my favorite thing with all these languages has been having the opportunity to talk to that babushka that old man old woman who is never going to communicate me with me in, in English right Right. And being able to have a direct line to that wisdom or that knowledge or that folklore or that sort of cultural heritage, you know, and um, and it's not just about the you know older folks, but it's about experiencing something firsthand. Right. If you don't know Russian or the language or Ukrainian or, or you know, the, the Romanian, if you don't know this language of the place where you are to that you're interested in or that you're living in or that you're traveling to or even a little bit it means that all of the information you're getting about this place is second hand right? right you're it's being told to you translated by somebody it's or or you're you're seeing it but through a lens with you know you're seeing it but but not not you know not clearly Um, So this is beautiful, but instead of uh, having that be like a a, a barrier, like a gateway, like, oh, you know, oh, you can only experience this culture if you know the language, it's actually, I find it to be the opposite. It's like, it's a whole new adventure that is waiting for you. You like this culture? There is a whole world of fun and and adventure and interest and and conversations and people you're going to meet through this thing, you know? How many people speak Russian? I mean, like hundreds of thousands. I mean, so hundreds of millions. You know, like so many people speak uh, Russian, um, or you're Ukrainian, or, or you know, Romanian. Uh, so it's such an adventure, and it's it's all about f- making that experience fun, interesting, fun, and enjoyable. Yeah.
0: How long did it take you to learn six languages? And specifically, how long did it take you to learn Russian?
1: Well. So okay, I'll I'll tell you a story about this. Uh, with my with my Russian has uh, it's been a long time. So when I was uh, like eighteen, nineteen, twenty, I didn't even know the the letters. Like I didn't know what the characters were. I couldn't read it. Um, and it wasn't until I was like you know living there for months afterwards where I could have like a basic conversation. So it's not like I came from like a Russian speaking family or. I had some like input when I was a baby, or something, or I lived there when I was a baby. I, I had a I had a babysitter from Novosibirsk. That was that was the only Russian I knew. It's the only connection I ever had was a a lovely uh, woman who was babysitting me from time to time from Novosibirsk. But we, we spoke English, you know, um, right? And so uh, when I got there, um, it was like, and you know, so this was what? How many years ago? 16, 17, or I mean, if yeah if you count uh you know when I was there studying abroad um and when I got there, I always got the same response, like oh, very cute what <laughs> the it's like you know uh, very patronizing oh that's very it's like oh, that's very nice, you know in in uh, the subtext you will you have no chance of succeeding, but it's very cute right. that you're trying right? <laughs> yeah so this <laughs> <laughs> I have no faith in you, but thank you, basically. Um, and uh, But then after time, it got to the point where like, you know, because I, I feel very comfortable being an idiot and making mistakes. And like, I th- you know, to become good at anything, you have to make a million mistakes. So I mean, there were many times where I would try to tell a joke and no one would laugh or like people are talking about something and everyone's laughing. And I don't understand. And I missed the punchline or, you know, say, someone asked me something and I answer something completely different. You know, so I got used to it. Yeah, And then there's a sort of magical moment where all of a sudden people start saying, oh, you're really good at Russian. And I'm like, no, I'm not. No way. Like, You didn't hear yes. me yesterday tell a story to silence, right? <laughs> but it starts happening and slowly. And then after a while, uh, after maybe, you know, by the time, maybe after five years of, 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 of being in the sort of Russian speaking world, or maybe like four years, three years, of you know, just maybe not of living in Russia, but speaking it from time to time at least, or living there on and off. Um, people started saying, assuming that I had Russian parents, or maybe like I, maybe my mom was Russian or my dad was Russian or something. So I speak weird with this weird accent that no one's ever heard before. Uh, you know, because when the this, this, you know, when people think an American is going to speak Russian, maybe it sounds something like govru, or something like this, you know. Um, so. It's like I describe it. If you've never heard a French person speak English your entire life, and then you heard a French person speak English, you'd think that they're crazy, right? Like something's wrong with them. <laughs> so it was just like, who's this? Who's this guy? You know, his parents must be Russian. And then it, one day, I'm walking around some neighborhood I'm, I'm not not familiar with, and I and I was looking for the metro, and I asked this, I stopped this one, excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm looking for the metro. Do you know how to find, like, where I can find the metro? And she looks at me like, huh? And I'm like, I, I repeated the question. And then this, like, this is kind of like something goes over her face. And she goes, oh, yeah, of course, of course. And I realize that she thinks that I'm a total Russian person. But that maybe something is not right with my head. Like maybe some maybe someone dropped me when I was a kid. Of course, of course. You go down here and you take a ride. And she likes like, you know. And I started noticing this was happening a lot to me. I would go to uh with, with my, my ex, we would go out for like vegetable shopping or for fruit, and people I would ask people how much it would cost, and then they would start talking to her like she was taking care of me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! i <laughs> so so uh it was a it was a long it's you know from from being like not even knowing the, the the word like the alphabet not saying hello to the point where native Russian people thought I was somehow a native Russian but just maybe dropped on my head as a child or something yes. uh, maybe five six years or so but um but I love it, and it's because you know, if you have a, a love of something, you know, you've never met a a master surfer or a master dancer or a master of, 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 whatever. Uh, and this person hasn't like, you know, doesn't have, doesn't love and enjoy their craft and, you know, does it regularly and has a system, you know, when these things are there, regularity, enjoyment and a system, then, you know, success is inevitable.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I mentioned to you before we started this conversation that or off, off the recording that we are told. So I went to a it was a Russian Ukrainian school. Yeah. And I never actually learned Ukrainian. I it, it was it was a Russian school where you could learn Ukrainian, basically. But it was like a Russian Ukrainian school. and It was very sure. Soviet, like very, very yeah. Soviet school. You know, they're still very <laughs> Soviet there. And we were always taught that Russian is one of the toughest languages to learn if you are not a native Russian speaker and even Mm -hmm. if you're a native Russian speaker it's like really hard to to know all the rules to know the is it really that hard
1: so uh i i would say we're just
0: being fooled to, to believe that the language is the best language in the world
1: there, you know, there, there is a bit of like now. There is a little bit of the like, oh, semagusha, a You know, like you know, there is a bit of nationality. Yeah, yeah, semagusha, There is a bit of this sort of nationality. You know, like uh, patriotism with it. But genuinely speaking, it is a very, very difficult language to learn. In my experience, learning Japanese has been somehow even like that final level to like max difficulty in my experience, but Russian was mm-hmm. very close to it. But uh, it, but there's two sides to this answer because on one side, you know, if your goal is just to communicate and have fun and enjoy it, you know, in here's a little linguistic fact that I, I find very inspiring for anyone who's trying to learn a language. No matter what language it is, whether it's Chinese or Russian or English or French or whatever, If you look at the most frequently used 1,000 words, so like if you recorded this, you know, if we listen to this whole podcast and then we take all of the words that that you and I both said, we make a giant list of them and then we tallied up how many times each word was said, you would find that the top 1,000 words was approximately 87% of all the words that were spoken. And 1,000 words is not that many, right? I mean, you know, it's like home, water, you know, day, tomorrow, you know, big, small. It's not, you know, extra difficult words. And so if you have these words, I mean, you know, any language, you know, okay, even no matter how hard the grammar is, you know, a cat is koshka. It's not like, you know, some mind bending experience learning that cat means koshka, you know, so you can do it. So you, the, the listener here, you can do it. If you enjoy it, if you, if you set out to learn these words just to communicate, but then the hard part, the hard part is the grammar because, oh oh my God, I remember. So in Russian, there's this thing, the cases, you know, and now Christina, you learned them growing up. So you did not have this, uh, you didn't have to do the mental gymnastics of learning that it's that basically every word uh, every pronoun, every adjective, every uh, every noun um, changes, the ending, the last part of the word changes based on how it's being used in the sentence. And therefore, word order is pretty much irrelevant. You can mix up the words pretty pretty freely, right? And everyone mm-hmm. knows exactly what each word is doing in the sentence based off of these little parts at the end, how they change. So, like, a cat is koshka, but then there's also, like, I love my koshku, or I give my food to my koshkia, or I am with my koshkoi, or I am with my several koshkami, or my koshkam, you know, koshik. Uh, There's so many different variations, and it's all cat. And, like, I remember sitting down and asking someone, like, one of these Soviet-style Russian teachers and being like, but why? Like, what? What the (laughs) hell? Why? The the F, do we have this here? What why? It like you
0: complicating so much.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, yep. wh- I don't get it. I'll, and then she'd be like, no, it's very simple. In this situation, you use this case. And this, I'm like, yeah, 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 okay, okay. I'll like somehow memorize the endless, you know, tables of different endings because each word changes in its own way, depending if it's masculine or feminine or neuter, and there's a million irregularities and stuff. So, okay, I'll memorize it all, but like, why? <laughs> why do we do this? Yeah. And then one day I was just sitting there and I, and it like clicked in my head and I'm like, oh my God, we have these different cases to explain things that in English we would do like this, you know? So like in English, I could say like to my mom or for my mom or from my mom. And like those prepositions are not really that important in Russian. What's much more important is how the words change at the end. And it was like blew my brain. And uh, and then and then now I can't even imagine a language without these like it's weird for me when I speak Spanish. It's weird that I don't have these cases. Uh, It's like I want to find them in Spanish, but they don't exist. Uh, So it's beautiful. I mean, it takes a lot of time. You'll make a million mistakes, but um, but Russian is very difficult, but it is absolutely possible to enjoy, to speak freely and, uh, and to have fun with. Don't be afraid to be an idiot and have as much fun as you can if you do those two things you'll be okay you'll be okay
0: so i'm kind of reading between the lines like do you think confidence has a lot to do with how you how fast you're going to be able to speak the language
1: absolutely so here there's a in, there's a whole world of linguistics called psycholinguistics <laughs> and this is really interesting so there's a lot of psychological factors you know like you know even if outside of languages, if you're like looking at someone's personality, how their brain works, their psychology, there's certain characteristics, uh, of uh, any person's psychology, which will heavily affect the process that they take or that they have with learning a language, how effective it's going to be. So for example, I mean, confidence, absolutely. Uh, this place, you know, if you're a perfectionist, also, this is a negative thing. If you're a perfectionist, yeah. maybe it helps you when you're at the very highest level of the language learning process and you want to just become absolutely perfect, you know, but for like the first, you know, from level zero to 99, it's only going to, you know, uh, be a disadvantage. Okay, from level 99 to 100, it's great. Um, yeah. But one that I find really interesting is we call it, uh, I mean, it's a big name, but it's an easy concept. We call it tolerance to ambiguity tolerance to ambiguity and this is a really cool thing so christina i'm curious about your tolerance to ambiguity if i was living in vancouver and i was like hey christina uh there's a party tonight at eight i'll pick you up i'll pick you up at 7 30. you know i'll pick you and your husband up at 7 30. right are you like are you the person who's like okay sure cool i'll see (laughs) them or are you like well wait uh, how long is it going to be? Where is it going to be? What should I wear? What kind of, what's the party? Who's going to be there? Do you need to know everything? Do you need to know a little bit? Do you need to know nothing? How tolerant are you to not knowing, right? So what yeah. about you, first of all? How tolerant are you to not knowing? What is your tolerance I would,
0: big- would want to know just a few things. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. quite adventurous when it comes to like new experiences, but mm-hmm. I would say the two things that I would need to know is, What do I need to wear? Like, what's the vibe for Because do you know where I come from? I have to know what to wear. Heels, (laughs) no heels, you know? How much makeup should I put? And then the second thing is, when will it likely end? Because I'm an early bird. So if it's like, oh, we're going to go off until four in the morning, I'll be like, maybe I'll go for a little bit. But just so that I know. But other than that, like, if, you know, you're cool, I would presume that all the parties that you go to are also cool. So I would just trust you and be like, sure, let's go.
1: There we go. So you're quite tolerant. You're you're quite tolerant. Because I mean this is you know, this is basic things. What should I wear and when's it gonna end? This is very basic stuff. Like some people say, I don't need to know anything. And you know, you could argue that these people are crazy, because it's like, you know, nothing. Don't <laughs> care. You
0: don't care <laughs> you don't get so, where you're going. Like <laughs> Yeah. You know,
1: it's like me saying yes to everything. I need to know is it a danger or not a danger for my, yeah, for my yeah. health? Yeah. Um so that's a quite a high tolerance to ambiguity. I also have a high tolerance to ambiguity. Now, imagine you're learning Russian and, or you're learning English or whatever, and you're listening to something that's whatever, someone's talking to you. And like, you know, they're talking quickly, phrase after phrase after phrase. And then someone says something and it's like, you don't, you, there's like three words in a row where you didn't understand, right? Now, your brain makes like a split second decision. Do you fixate on these three words and try to figure it out? Or do you just let it pass sort of like, you know, like inner equanimity, like to to be a quantumist and let it just pass by like Zen and just, you know, focus on the next thing of the river passing by. Do you let it go or do you focus on it? Do you fixate on it? And people who have a a lower tolerance to ambiguity feel this need, like this perfectionism, I need to figure this out. And what actually happens is they focus on this They can't figure it out because they just don't know those words most likely, or maybe they do figure it out after 15 seconds and they totally miss the next phrase and the next phrase, and the next phrases. And this creates a feeling of a language barrier. It makes it feel like, Oh my God, I can't do this. I don't understand anything. Uh, It really just like throws a wrench in the whole conversation. Right. Mm. And uh, like when I speak Portuguese, uh, Uh, because it's similar enough to spanish you know even if i don't understand something if i kind of squint my ears so to speak i'll just figure it out anyway but if i fixate on every single damn sound that i don't get then i mean i'm not going to be able to talk to this person right which means i steal i i'm effectively like robbing the opportunity from myself to improve the language so Mm -hmm. yeah confidence uh, how tolerant you are to ambiguity, uh, if you, how you're, you know, perfectionist, not a perfectionist go with the flow. Uh, you know, how interested are you just inherently, how interested are you in communication? Cause if you're a person who loves to communicate, it's going to be easier. If you're kind of like, uh, you know, introverted, I don't really care about communicating. I'm just kind of interested in reading Russian. It will, you're, it will be less quick, you know, to develop. Um, Yeah. So there's a lot of these factors. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's really Mm -hmm. interesting too, because like, I notice I'll listen to somebody, um, you know, speaking English or whoever I'd be speaking Mm -hmm. English with, and there'll be a word that I've never heard before, Uh, but I'll understand what it means because of the context of of the sentence. And then, you know, I understand it. So I don't focus on the word, but I understand the context and I'll, I'll just move on. I'll carry on the conversation and then I'll come home or like when I'm on my phone or whatever, I'll be like, Ooh, like I wonder what that word means. And I'll usually misspell it completely. And then, you know, that's how you learn the word, right? And then you'll hear it again, somebody else say it, and then and then it repeats and repeats. And yeah.
1: Exactly. And Christina, what you just said that like this is the key though. You were curious. And curiosity is like the like it's the pinnacle you know, because yeah. if you don't care enough to Google it later, it means you're not going to learn it. Right. But right. you're like, huh, what the, what the fuck did that person just say? And then you go over and you kind of like you, you Google it and you're like, oh my God, you know, maybe you missed Google it three times. Maybe you ask your husband later and he's like, what word? And you say it. And then he finally, you say it correctly and he gets it and he explains it to you. This is how you do it. This is exactly yeah. how you do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I also noticed, and that's something that I've given, I've told my audience before, Mm -hmm. I created, so for English, I, without even knowing it, I created an alter ego for myself. Like Christina that speaks English and Christina that speaks Russian are two different people. Mm -hmm. And somebody said to me like, yeah, but that's kind of crazy. Like, are you, do you have like the, you know, (laughs) multi-personality disorder or whatever? Like, you know, and Uh, I was like, no, it's just, you're, you're different because it has a different, you know, tone. It has a different um Mm -hmm. english is a little bit softer right than russian russian is a little bit more harsh and what i'll notice is like my voice will change when i speak russian for example and then when i speak english my the way i move the way i even like my facial expressions change they almost don't exist when i speak russian i'm just kidding (laughs) but you know they it's it's so different yeah stone face and then now my husband and i spend quite a bit of time in mexico we try to spend winters there and I'm starting to learn Spanish. I'm like in the very early stages, but in Spanish, I'm also slowly starting to create an alter ego, you know, Mm -hmm. of some, I don't know, someone with Spanish or South American roots. And I found Uh, that really helped me with English.
1: Absolutely. This is totally right. And like, um, this is, this is actually a topic that's quite debated amongst, you know, language people and linguists and stuff. But the general consensus is that, when you're learning a language you don't have the infrastructure of you know that that you have when in your in your in your mother tongue right so you're like you know you're trying to like uh you know paint a picture a pole portrait of your own personality and who you are but you don't have all the colors you have just and you have like a really you know thick brush and you're trying to paint the little things and so as you're learning the language especially in the beginning stages, you're like, you're like a shell of yourself. You're like, you know, you're 20% of, of your personality and you're just trying to show as much as you can. And then as that develops and as you know, the new neural connections are being made in your mind and you're becoming a little more familiar with these words and you could have basic conversations and you could start to joke a little bit, you're really, you know, we all want to fit in we all want to get along with the people around us we all want to feel like a sense of harmony and unison with our with our communities you know in our in our in our group and that's culture and that's that's a good thing that's that's to- mm-hmm. totally normal and so we begin to adopt these natural cultural things from this stuff right now like if there was some weird way where like you could uh like for example my daughter and my son are growing up here in Barcelona and in school, they speak both Spanish and Catalan. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know for them, there's not, and and I mean, generally speaking, people who do this grow up speaking both these languages. I don't think for them, there's such a a big difference in personality or these alter egos because they're learning it in the same environments. It's the same people they're talking with. It's not two separate different cultures mostly. Right. Mm -hmm. But you know, someone like, you know, Growing up in America and then living in Russia, now living in Spain, or you going to Mexico and learning Spanish, you know, in this like Latin vibe, you know, you're you're adapting to your culture. So of course, of course, you are you are playing into it, you know, and so it, it does not mean that you are mentally unstable. <laughs> it does not mean that it does not mean <laughs> that you've gone crazy. It does not mean that you're gonna like uh, American Psycho murder somebody in the shower or something. You're it's totally normal. It's totally normal. And I would say, like, as time goes on, those uh, the cultural aspects, maybe kind of, you know, like with your English, it's been long enough. And, the, the, you know, the story has gone on for long enough where, uh, you know, now these things are more of like, you know, it's not it's truly you you coming out yeah. in English and it's truly you coming out in Russian. It's not like these are two facades or f- like one is fake and one is real but um which might be the case when you're in the very beginning stages just because you can't you don't have all the words and the grammar and stuff right but so it's just it's it's like you know you're uh it's it's, it's all you just uh you know it's like exactly. if a, a musician and a painter if one artist is making music and then painting it's going to feel different right so
0: yeah for sure yeah, yeah. and i think it helps with the accent too do you think it helps <clears throat> to kind of adopt the accent much faster
1: totally totally you know yeah So learning Spanish here in Spain, I realized that I I make jokes all the time in Spanish. I'm like, I'm so much more jokey in Spanish than I am in Russian. Like, I'm just joke after joke. Like, I just want to, because when you go in the streets here, everyone's just trying to make each other laugh. Like, it's just, it's the mode of communication, you know? And so. That's
0: amazing. uh, I need to move to Spain. (laughs) It's
1: it's great. great. You go to to like a cafe.
0: Yeah,
1: you're just constantly trying to, you know, like, you know, crack someone up. And so I find that, yeah, I'm more, I'm sort of more jokey in that. And, and, and this, it really does help with the accent, right? A lot of people suffer, like suffer, like struggle a lot with getting a, you know, um, maybe losing that thick American accent. For example, if you're speaking Spanish, are you saying like, yo, quiero uh, comprar algo, you know, or yo quiero comprar algo, like, Mm -hmm. It's not saying that your accent needs to be perfect, but just by getting into the vibe, getting into the culture, living in this and you know, really trying to breathe this language, you know, you start you stop standing out so deeply with this thick accent and you start, you know, your accent will always be there and it will be unique to you, but you're kind of going into that and you're being yourself yeah. in this new space. Yeah. yeah.
0: Languages are fascinating. This is this so cool. is an awesome conversation. I love it. Yeah, Luke. Well, thank you so much. We're we're at our time here. Um, I really appreciate all the wisdom and all the knowledge that you've shared. How can Absolutely. our audience find you and if they can work with you?
1: Absolutely. So, if you are a Russian speaking person and you want to really master English, right? Then uh, go to my Instagram page, and you know. So, you know, in the, uh, the bio, isn't this funny? The hat of the profile in yeah, Russian, we say. The profile, yeah. <laughs> it's like well, these two yeah. diff- totally different things, right? But they I mean the same thing. So, yeah, you go to the, my Instagram uh, page, and there'll be a link in the bio um, with whatever my next project is maybe a course, maybe a webinar, maybe a club. Uh, but I highly recommend it really for, for the students who come to me and, and, and why I think students come and work with me, um, is because you mentioned this like old sort of Soviet style education program, like learning Ukrainian or Russian in the sort of old Soviet style and all across the, really the world, but definitely across the ex the former Soviet republics. Um. There's a sort of old school education style to learning English that is really not effective. I would say it's kind right. of like how American kids learn Spanish in a completely ineffective, broken way. You know, at, at, like an American kid takes Spanish for seven years and comes out. And the only thing he can say is, you know, donde esta la biblioteca or something like that, something ridiculous. Or me gusta tacos, you know. Uh, Buenos
0: nachos. Yeah, buenos nachos (laughs) instead of buenos (laughs) noches.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. So, like, uh, so why is this? And so, what I like to do, I mean, as a linguist, we know how the brain absorbs new languages. What's effective? What's ineffective? And so, what I do is, you know, my I guess more global mission is I want to really fundamentally changed the way that Russian speaking people learn English. Because, you know, like many people, and maybe you can attest to this, like people, your family that still lives there, they start learning English as a kid when they're in school, right? Eight years old, Mm -hmm. 10 years old, 12 years old. And think about how many hours of their life they spend as a child, as a teenager, in university, in an institute somewhere, you know, classes as an adult, how many like thousands of hours that people spend learning english and then what's the result like where are they they feel really uncomfortable speaking there's a huge language yeah. barrier they're they're not confident you know some still haven't even actually had a, a conversation with a native speaker ever like the results are so terrible for so much time And this does not say anything about someone's intelligence, but it means that the system that people are using is completely broken and just worthless. Like really, really bad. I never
0: thought about that, but some people learn English their whole life and then they can't speak it.
1: Exactly. And what's, I would say it's even dangerous because the result is that you lose, you think like, you know, So you you really doubt in your own intelligence, your own abilities. And it really limits and it prevents you from really feeling free and empowered in your life, right? So I always uh, tell my students or my, you know, potential students that uh, what I do is sort of empowerment through English language, right? If you want to finally have some results after years and years of studying language and finally kind of get that key to unlock it to feel confident spontaneously playful in English this is this is what I do so if you're a Russian speaking person come to my page and and we'll have fun
0: I might have to hit you up for my Spanish when I actually get serious about learning it (laughs) I'm gonna have to get in touch with you
1: (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. that'll be very fun. That'll be very fun. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, Luke, thank uh, you so much. This was an absolute pleasure.
1: Christina, thank you so much. Uh, I've been watching your clips on on Instagram and whatnot for uh, for a few years, and so it's been a it's it's a, you know from time to time popping up. So it's a great uh, it's a great pleasure for me as well.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into this episode and for listening to my podcast. I will see you next week.